You're listening to The Interrobang Room, a podcast that challenges individuals to be passionately curious. My name is Douglas Witherup, and I'm the senior pastor to the Multiply family of churches. Join us as I sit down with industry leaders as we laugh, converse, and sometimes debate our way through how to approach life with a spirit of discovery and adventure. Welcome to the Interrobang Room. This is the podcast where we encourage people to live with passionate curiosity. I'm here with Dr. David Dukasen, speaker, author, professor, and church planner. Welcome, David. It's great to have you. Well, thanks, Doug. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. So you've got a new book coming out, releasing on August 23rd. The book is called Neighborliness, Finding the Beauty of God Across Dividing Lines, such a timely topic for what's going on in our nation. We will dive into that in just a moment. Before we do that, uh, David, though we are in week nine, I think, of shelter at home, things starting to open up in different phases across different counties of North Carolina. But uh, for the Dukasen family, first question to you, just like what has been the the favorite Dukasen activity during the past couple of months? Yeah, well, first of all, it's just a huge pleasure to be here with you and uh, to discuss this stuff. But, you know, I'm at home with my wife, Dara, we've got three teenage kids and one 11 year old. And, um, and so for us, it's just been, you know, like, uh, lots and lots of sports at home right now. I've got three boys, uh, Max, Jack, and Ben. And so soccer in the backyard, yeah. basketball in the front yard. And then, um, you know, for, with us, with our, with our girl, she's 15, uh, just lots of, uh, uh, cuddles and creativity. Uh, she's an artist. So, competitiveness and artistry, depending on go. which child it is. There you go. Well, that sounds like a good combination. Yeah, yeah. You got to work up the adrenaline Absolutely. and then some outlets yeah, to relieve yeah, that for sure. uh, across the lines as well. Um, we are experiencing in our nation again another cycle where the issues of race, mm-hmm. uh, racism, the racial tension has come to the forefront once again. And you've been, this is a journey that you mm-hmm. have been on for years. Yeah. Um, so this book, again, the book is Neighborliness, Finding the Beauty of God Across Dividing Lines. Um, my opinion is that the best books, the very best books mm-hmm. come out of some some semblance of personal experience. Yeah. So you've not just been researching, which you have. This yeah. is a deeply scholarly book, but it's so personal as well. Can you uh, start out by just giving our listeners a little glimpse into your personal journey? Yeah, I grew up in a predominantly white church, uh, evangelical church setting, um, you know, continued on through uh, a predominantly white evangelical ministry career, planted a church. Um, one of the main reasons that we planted a church in Charlotte was because of the diversity. And then I looked up one day, five years into our journey, and there's a couple hundred people out there, and it's 99% white. Mm. And it just hit me that like, we all look alike. I, And I don't know why it was that day, but um, it started to bother me that the church did not look like the context of our city, wow. of which we were you know, inhabiting. And it just kind of put me on this personal journey that um, I'm a curious type. I'm a question asker. Um, You know, I ended up uh, starting a doctoral program and uh, and studied uh, the cyclical patterns of generational poverty, why are families staying in poverty when they're born into poverty, 
and we ended up moving our church a couple of miles from one location on the the eastern southeastern side of Uptown Charlotte, just to the other the western border of Uptown Charlotte, um, which was uh, right on the edge of the rich and the poor, and really a kind of line of um, separation between predominantly white Uptown and predominantly black um, West Charlotte, and so uh, just a real personal journey. The the book I'm hoping. Um, is just incredibly practical, you know, just help, yeah. helping people to to find the beauty of God in relationships with people that aren't like them. Absolutely, which is, I think, mm-hmm. I, I know that there is a segment of the population um, on, on multiple sides and multiple colors um, that there is still racism. There's, there's yeah. no doubt, so I'm not denying that. I think that the majority of people genuinely are saying something like, like, this isn't right. We want to help, but there's, there's this, but what do we do? There's this feeling of helplessness. How do I, uh, one of the things, and, and, um, just to give our listeners a little bit of background information. So you sent me a a pre draft of the book and I started reading through it yesterday, Mm -hmm. not just words, uh, because of, (laughs) because we're friends. It's phenomenal. The book is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I am looking forward to continuing to read it. One of my favorite chapters and one of the chapters that I went to immediately, you write about um, passing on the solutions to our children. Yeah. And I think to me, that's one of the things that we, we, we can do um, being solution oriented, not just pointing out in a critical way, you know, hey, America, we've got to do better than this. Of course we do. We right. get that. How do we do better than mm-hmm. this? One of the ways is like raising our kids with intentionality yeah. um, in this area. Can can you? So you mentioned again. You mentioned your your four children. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you you've probably had like some teachable moment yeah, experiences sure. with them. Yeah. Uh, what what have some of those been? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I'd go back to what you said about that. You know, the majority of the culture, I wouldn't say, is just like raging racist, right? right? It, but I think what adults need to understand, and it's a journey that I've been on, and, and you know, just so that the listeners know, there's a deep friendship between, you know, Doug and I right. that's gone back a couple of decades now. Um, you know, we've been on a journey together about some of this stuff, too, is that there's a, there's a psychological term called implicit bias, that mm. there are things inside of us that we don't even know are there. And so if we don't know something is there, we're still going to pass it on. Wow. So wow. so ways that we would refer to people of other races, way that we would refer to people of other economic statuses, ways that we respond when we see somebody walking down the road that is different than us. Um, and so I think that the journey starts inward uh, for, for all of us, um, but you can't pass on something to your kids that is not happening in your heart. Wow. You pass on what's instinctive and natural to your yeah. children. And so... For us, to answer your question more directly, we've just tried to be really intentional as I've been on a journey to also journey with my children because um, I think that parents can sometimes get crippled by the uh, insecurity of, well, I don't know that, I don't know enough about this yet. Yeah. But what we've done is we've invited the kids into the journey of like, hey, this is what mom and dad are learning. What do you guys think about this? And, and you know, we try to be intentional with the way that we ask some questions. Um, but also just, you know, looking around at what's going on in our city. Um, you know, like, like for instance, uh, there's an African-American museum here in Charlotte. And they did a free day 
of, um, you know, I've got six people in my family. So yeah. anytime that we can find something free, free. to do is great. Exactly. And, um, and they did a Martin Luther King Jr. Day um, free admission to the African American Museum. It was awesome. Brought the kids, had some great conversations afterwards. Yeah. Um, and I think that, and I talk about this in the book, one of the, one of the most impacting things that we did was we brought the kids, and, and it's really important, Doug, that we remember this trip was not about teaching my kids about race and uh, economics and the inequalities of our country. This, gotcha. We were going to a teeny bopper concert called Surfaces. <laughs> and, um, and my daughter was super excited about this concert. <laughs> and one of my best friends from Florida, his name is Ryan Jordan. Um, what's up, Ryan, if you're listening? Um, his daughters love Surfaces. And so they drove up from, from Orlando, or from the Central Florida area. And we drove down to Atlanta and met, and uh, it was basically me and Ryan were like two dudes and a bunch of teenage <laughs> girls. Uh, it, was, it was pretty awesome, but it was it was a fun concert. Took the whole family. But one of the things that we did, and this is where I think that parents can be just intentional. Use that word intentional yeah. mm-hmm. about passing on from one generation to the next. Is I just literally jumped on Google. And I was like, Dara, I know that there's like major history in Atlanta about um, the civil rights movement. And so I literally typed in to Google civil rights, Atlanta, things to do. And it popped up all these different options. And one of them was when we ended up doing this was a guided tour of the National um, Center for Civil and Human Rights. And, And we paid a little bit extra money and we got a guided tour. Wow. And it just um, a fun trip also included some of the most most impacting moments that we've had. And I share some of those in the chapter of that book where just tear inducing moments between, you know, like, like us and the kids. And, um, and, but I think what's important to remember is that like, that was just us adapting the trip that we were already taking. Yeah. Or looking at, hey, the kids have school off on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. What should we do? Yeah, It's just some intentionality. And, and honestly, I didn't have the words, and I don't have all the words still. I mean, I, I have a doctorate in studying cyclical patterns of inequality, and I still don't have the words right. of trying to describe to my 11-year-old when he sees something on the news um, you know, I mean, I mean, even even this week, we were going to take all of my kids to one of the. Um, it was a prayer protest in Uptown Charlotte, and um, we just noticed that one of the kids was really nervous about that. And we have to be sensitive to. It wasn't appropriate in that moment to bring him, yeah, because the night before he saw what was happening in Uptown Charlotte, mm. and he was literally scared, yeah. And so I took him on my lap and I just hugged him real close. And I said, Hey bud, you know that you don't have to go to this to be about it. And he was like, well, what do you mean by that? And I said, I said, do you want to see people treated fairly? Do you want to see? And I said, well, I'm going to bring Mary and will you pray when me and Mary are down there? And he just kind of looked at me and kind of wiped the tears from his eyes. And he was like, I can definitely do that. Dad. Wow. And so I think that like, like let's not push our kids too hard. Right. But also, my daughter was all about it. She yeah. wanted to be down there. She is um, she is a justice oriented teenager. Yeah. You know? So just knowing your kids and yeah. So. So um, one of the one of the that is one of the stories that that stood out to me when I was reading the book. I was wiping tears away in my mm-hmm. office yesterday just just reading it. Can you uh, talk a little bit about that uh, 
that experience in Atlanta yeah. because there You're was a, the there was a disclaimer yeah. right yeah. when yeah. with the guided tour yeah. earphones in but there was a disclaimer yeah. of like children under and I forget the age yeah. don't do, don't you you probably don't want to do this yeah we we got to a certain part of the tour this was um, Magret was the name of the tour guide and she was just so sweet and um, and we got to a certain part and we pulled kind of around the corner of one of the exhibits and then we we walked into what was Woolworth's diner and um, and they had four bar stools set up with an LED screen in front of us and in front of that screen um, was pictures, grainy pictures of, you could tell it's probably from the 50s, uh, something like that. And, um, and Margaret said to us, we're asking that anybody under the age of 13 does not do this. And so it kind of piqued my curiosity, like, why? And Ben just kind of looked at me and I was like, no, you don't have to do this. Right. He's 11. And, um, and what they do is they put these um, noise-canceling headphones on you. And I hung back at first because there was only a certain amount of seats up there. So my wife, Dara, and then my 16-year-old Max and my 15-year-old Mary and my 13-year-old Jack were sitting on the, on the stools there. And after 30 seconds of whatever was going on, because they say, close your eyes. It's a 90-second experience. You can take off the headphones if you need to. And I was, I'm sitting there going, what on earth is going on? And my, my son, Jack, was making the same faces, grimacing, that um, you just know your kids, Right, right. He was making the same face that he did when he broke his hand in um, his playoff basketball game. But he didn't want to come out of the game, but I knew that my son was hurting, right? But he was making that same face as he was listening to something. And I would come to find out, like he he took the headphones off after 30 seconds and he just came and kind of gave me a hug and I just held him close and he goes, Daddy, I didn't like that. Yeah. I didn't like that at all. And, um, and I did the experience afterwards and, uh, and it was basically, um, you know, you're sitting there, you know, for me as a white man, they ask you to close your eyes and it's a white person sitting with their black brothers and sisters at a white only diner in the fifties. And wow. they recreate this whole scene and the, the words that are going through those headphones, um, were just vicious. And that's what Jack was experiencing. And then the seat would like shake when people started like punching you. And like, I mean, it was just really violent um, depiction of, you know, it was a depiction of violence. And, um, and that was, that was a little much, I'm not going to lie. And I felt, I questioned myself as a dad. I was like, did I just push the kids too far? I didn't know that I'd, I didn't know that I might've made a mistake. I didn't know what I was sure. getting myself into. Right? right. Um, and so everybody was just kind of staring off in the distance and I asked Magret, Hey, can I have a moment with my family? Cause I know them. I, I know that we can't just experience that and not, you know, talk about it. And so I pulled them around the corner and everybody is kind of arms crossed. Like you do when you're kind of uncomfortable staring into nothing. And I just knew that the Holy spirit, was with me as I was questioning myself. Yeah. And I think that's the thing a lot of parents feel, right? It's like, absolutely. you don't know how to do this. And I didn't know how to do this. Absolutely. I was, I was emotionally moved by the moment too. Right. So I'm in my own moment. Sorry. I'm in my own moment having to, um, to try and lead my family now. And so I just prayed and I was like, God, give me the words to say. And, um, and so I just pulled them aside and, um, and I said, guys, that was rough, huh? And they were like, yeah. And I said, you know, that was 
something that really happened though. And they're like, yeah, nobody was really saying anything. And I said, you know what? You don't have to answer this right now. Um, but I think the thing that we need to take away from this is if that were happening today, would we sit with our friend? And it was just total silence. Wow. And, and all of us had tears in our eyes because we realized there was a very human moment happening where it's like we could take off the headphones, but there's a lot of people that couldn't. You know, they couldn't, they couldn't take off the headphones. And, um, and so I was um, really moved by that moment. It's led to some great conversations with our kids. Um, and it's a story that I think is, you know, has really resonated with a lot of other people of just taking some intentionality with your kids, still have fun. I mean, we ended up having a blast the rest of the trip too, but it's something that we can always go back to as some of the things that we learned just by being intentional about what we were going to do with our time on that trip. Absolutely. Have you, have you allowed your children to see the video of George Floyd's death? And what would your recommendation to parents be for their children? Yeah, I would say um, that I just, I can't speak into what another parent would do for their children. Um, I did not show the video to my kids. My teenagers found it. Um, and um, <clears throat> and that was hard. That was really hard. Um, you know, I when I was growing up, um, I remember, I don't know if you'd remember this or not, but there was this awful thing going around the internet called Faces of Death. And it was these moments of, like, people dying. And I remember it really scarred me. And so I... I don't want my kids seeing people dying, um, but my baby girl, Mary, um, and I'm choking up a little bit here, um, she came down and I could tell something was wrong the other night. And, um, and she said, Daddy, I was curious. And so I, I Googled it and I saw him die, Dad. Like I, I watched him die and she just started bawling like into my chest and I'm just sitting there holding her and she's like I don't I don't like this dad it's got to stop dad this has to stop this has to stop um and so in that moment I I can't I don't have the privilege as a parent in that moment to not walk my baby through this yeah yeah and that's where we need the Holy Spirit that's where we need like the the power of the Holy Spirit like like um like I know beyond a shadow of doubt that the scriptures say that the spirit will give us comfort in our time of need so that we can comfort others in their time of need and it just so happened that that moment was simultaneous I wow. needed comfort yeah. and the spirit was able to to kind of speak through me as a daddy in that moment the best thing that I could do for my girl was just hold her and let her cry what would you the say the younger two did not yeah. have, have not seen yeah. it and I don't want them to see it sure what would you say to the parent that let me circle back to your original story that are that are having a moment that may sound or look something like this of I want my kid uh, to grow up in a racially robust culturally diverse environment but they're looking around Mm -hmm. and maybe not through any intentional decision that they made but like just boy, the na- the neighborhood that I'm in, we yeah. all look the same. Yeah. Or uh, the church I'm in, we all look the same. Or the yeah. school is not integrated, so the school my yeah. kids are in, does, we all look the same. Uh, could you sp- speak into a parent that wants their kid to grow up yeah. in a diverse? How, I mean, like, I just, how do they I just had this that? conversation a uh, handful of months ago with somebody, and they were like, 
you know, a little defensive. And they're sure. like, walk outside my my door right now. And granted, th- this person lived in a multi-million dollar neighborhood, right? The houses are just enormous. And they said, try and find one person of color in this neighborhood. And they're like, do you... Am I like our life is busy right now? Like we have sports, we have all this stuff going on. They have teenage kids, and they said, "What am I supposed to do? Like drive forty five minutes to downtown, you know, such and such city, to um, to you know, let them see poor people?" And then they stopped and they realized, "Oh wow, that sounded really bad." But I I knew what they were saying, and the point there was, and and I'll just switch to talking to the listeners now is, and this is what I said to them, the context in which we live is the context in which we live. Sure. Right? Like, don't feel bad about that. There's all this, like, guilt that I think is actually really self-centered type guilt, like, and it distracts you from what you can do. Mm. So, like, I even, like, wrote this down, like, as I was praying this morning. Like, we have to ask ourselves the question, who do we want to become? Who do we want to become? Because that's an active thing, right? Like, yes. who are we becoming? Right. And what I'd say to people that that find themselves in predominantly any culture, not just predominantly white, but a predominantly any color or any economic class is don't force it. Like um, there are plenty of ways uh, and I hope my book does this for people, but there's way more stuff out there than, than, you know, I, I am entering a conversation that's already robust is start learning and then pass on what you're learning to your kids. It's good. Start there. Yeah. And, and you'll find that kids are a lot more open than even those of us that, you know, Doug and I are in our forties and it's like, you know, we're more set in our ways sure. than our kids are. Right. Right. And so if if we start to learn some stuff, we can pass on to our kids what we're learning and the kids can do better with it even than we do. Yeah. I mean, I'd say to my kids all the time, I pray that God does at least double everything he's done for me. I want him to do mm. for you, including um, my understanding of how to find the beauty of God across dividing lines is, you know, like one of the biggest ways for parents is don't, don't just get crippled and paralyzed by guilt unnecessarily. You live where you live. You're not going to sell your house just to move for, you know, racial, you know, uh, exposure. Sure. But that doesn't limit us from doing what we can do. And, um, and, you know, I mean, there's, I mean, I've got a, a blog on my website where I constantly list stuff that people can look at, and I'm sure you'll m- mention that here in a minute. But, the, um, you know, there's a lot of resources out there, a lot yeah. of really great resources. And I would say for parents, start the learning journey on their own and then pass it on to the kids. I'm here with Dr. David Dukasen. The book is Neighborliness, Finding God Across Dividing Lines. And we're just continuing the conversation about race and specifically how do we pass on good conversation to our to our children. I want to uh, ask you this question. It's a little bit off topic as it pertains to just the, the, the children's side of it, although we can certainly address it with them. What is amazing to me is how quickly the narrative in the in the news changes. Mm-hmm. This is a once in a lifetime worldwide global pandemic mm-hmm. that we were in. Mm-hmm. And then oh, yeah. all the in, su- yeah. all the sudden it disappeared mm-hmm. and and Flynn the whole Trump and Flynn mm-hmm. thing was the leading mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden that disappli- mm-hmm. disappeared. Mm-hmm. It was Ahmad Arbery. Mm-hmm. Then it was George Floyd. And now, mm-hmm. uh, it has quickly shifted mm-hmm. from George Floyd 
to the protests and mm-hmm. unfortunately the mm-hmm. negative side because there are certainly peaceful Absolutely. marches and yeah. protests going on yeah. but now we seem to be dominated by the the arson the looting mm-hmm. um that side of thing how do we how do we heal mm-hmm. as a nation when the narrative in front of us is such hatred and violence mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think that one of my mentors, uh, Pastor Don James up in New Jersey, um, he said, you get what you go for. And a lot of people that are angry right now are angry because they haven't experienced healing. Mm. There's a lot of people that are reaching out for reconciliation when there's never actually been conciliation. Conciliation means that you, you heal a wound. And so we can't reconcile to anything Wow! unless there's healing. And then if it was broken from there, we could reconcile. But I mean, Doug, just think about what point would we return in this country that was equitable for non-white landowners, right? Um, there just hasn't been a point. So when we talk about reconciliation, what a lot of the peaceful protesters are saying, please see me and see my family and see everyone like me that looks like me. Nobody's listening, right? And then you have people who are just flat out angry. Right. And where that anger comes from, whether it's, you know, wherever anger comes from, it's never from the Lord. So any angle that people are coming from there, um, I think that the healing comes uh, in relationship with Jesus. I mean, you you tell me any human being that can heal my broken heart. Yeah, yeah. There, there's not a, there's no one out there that can heal my broken heart, but Jesus has, and I've experienced that healing. Um, and so, what we need is a conversation around true healing, and I believe that true healing is found in in the true reconciliation, which is Jesus, because he's reconciling us back to creation. Absolutely. So both both David and I um, are, are pastors. David was a pastor. He's now an author, uh, teacher, professor, multiple things along those lines. But just our background um, and the way that we choose to live out our faith is, is spirit-empowered evangelical Christianity. And, and I talked to, to my congregation this past Sunday, um, just even use the, the story of John Newton, yeah. who, um, regardless yeah. of people's faith and different yeah. people listening to this podcast, regardless of their faith, they probably know the hymn Amazing, Amazing Grace. Grace. Yeah. And they may even recognize the name John Newton mm. because of that. What people may not know is the backstory there of John Newton was a former slave ship uh, yeah. owner, you know, involved in the slave trade, had a, had a pretty radical conversion to Christ and then begins leading in the abolitionist mm-hmm. movement. Mm-hmm. So um, just, just another example of what you're talking about, that, mm-hmm. it, that it starts with a heart conversion yeah. and then and then moves into other areas and then he and he pens the words amazing grace mm-hmm. amazing grace how mm-hmm. sweet the sound that saved a wretch mm-hmm. and once you know newton's story you 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 read a little bit more into that word wretch right where that where that came from um david thank you so much again the book is neighborliness 
Finding the Beauty of God Across Dividing Lines, Dr. David Dukas, and it releases on August 23rd. The website, he's got a website with blogs and a lot of material there. I encourage you to go go there. It's David Dukasen, which is uh, uh, docuzen. Right. Yeah, if you want it, which is how I, awful. yeah, which yeah. is how Siri yeah, understands yeah, you yeah. when call I call David you, Docusen. hey yeah. Siri, call David Imagine how weird I feel calling my own family, right? You know? <laughs> so that's da- David spelled like you would spell yeah. David and then, yeah. and then Dukasen, D-O-C-U-S-E-N, D-O-C-U-S-E-N, daviddukasen.com social media at David Dukas. And if uh, we have listeners and they, they do, they need to get this book. They need to read this book. Pastors need to take churches uh, through this, small group leaders. Uh, this is a great resource for you. Or if you're, if you are not of someone of faith, mm-hmm. um, listen, this is still a great book, just as you may be on a journey of, of personal healing or, uh, Boy, our nation's in trouble. What do we do? Mm-hmm. Um, if you have any of those thoughts, I can't recommend this enough. If somebody wants to get on that list of of getting a copy when it comes out in August, what what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, the the pre order should be available um, end of June or early July. But you can just go to the website daviddukeson.com and sign up. There's a there's a list there. Um, just sign up for my email list, and we'll just send out an email. Pretty simple. Um, and then we're also developing a website right now that will be available um, if you're listening later on uh, the next few weeks neighborliness.com will be available as well fantastic david thank you so much yeah, thank, thank you, you for your voice thank you for your your life your family all that has been invested in this thank you for speaking to solutions yeah thank you so much for speaking to solutions and i just want to encourage listen a lot of parents are listening right now but regardless whether your parent a parent or not, one of the things that we can do, we all have an impact on the next generation and the next generation is watching us right now. So if we want to, what can we do? Here's a solution. Let's lead somebody from the next generation, try to be intentional about leading them towards healing and reconciliation. Um, if we're one generation, I was thinking about this the other day, I'll close, close with this. There's a, again, my, my background is an evangelical. So, um, there's a old Testament book called Joshua and there's a scary verse in there for Christians that says the next generation arose that knew neither the Lord or his mighty work. Mm -hmm. So basically, uh, as a Christian, we're one generation away from the next generation, not knowing anything about Jesus, which for me is pretty scary. But if that is true, I thought about this, the, the other side is true. Mm -hmm. We're also one generation away from Mm -hmm. healing. healing, We're one generation away Mm -hmm. from conciliation Mm -hmm. or then reconciliation. Mm -hmm. So the way you teach your children matters. The way you interact with your nephew or your niece or your grandkid matters. Thanks again, Dr. David Dukasen, and thank you for joining us on this episode of the Interrobang Room.